WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. This week, 200 volunteers working to get a better idea of Mecklenburg County's homeless population. The annual point in time count is critical in helping provide our neighbors in need the proper resources. Coming up a bit later, a look at what's being done to get more folks into affordable housing. But first, we are now just over a month away from the North Carolina primary, and a Rowan County lawyer is looking to shake up the Republican race for governor. Bill Graham facing an uphill battle as he takes on Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Joining us now is Republican candidate for governor, Bill Graham. Welcome to Flashpoint. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Great to be here in Charlotte again. Good to see you. Nice to have you. All right, so you, you ran for governor back in 2008. What's, what's different this time? Uh, two things. One is uh, social, social media is uh, a very impactful tool um, and uh, really wasn't in the fore in the uh, 08 election. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. X, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Zoom. Uh, you know, usually you had to go to uh, far flung meetings all across the state, and now a lot of times donors and people get together on Zoom and they can talk directly to the candidate, which is a very useful tool. So Zoom and the other social media platforms are the big difference. Does change things. Um, I want to drill down on some of your positions. You've taken a hard stance when it comes to crime, um, including supporting the death penalty for fentanyl dealers and human traffickers. Typically, death penalty has been reserved for capital murder cases. Um, as a small government conservative, though, are you a little uneasy about the government putting people to death for now a variety of offenses? I'm strong uh, on capital punishment. Um, I think um, as a former prosecutor, I've seen in the courtroom uh, capital murder cases. But here we have fentanyl coming across the border, um, and I would stress that the immigration problem needs to get fixed big time. But we have fentanyl coming across the border, and it is so toxic and so dangerous that a very small amount will kill you just as well as a bullet will. And so with the knowledge that it is so toxic, these dealers both traffic humans and drugs, particularly fentanyl, uh, and you find it also in uh, marijuana and, and other um, illegal substances. So uh, yes, I, I, I don't apologize for that. I think that capital punishment ought to be available as a remedy um, and a punishment for those people that uh, uh, deal in fentanyl that will kill on the spot, very little. Uh, exposure is required to kill a human being. And you say for human traffickers as, as well, too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, your stance is, you say, about having a real law and order governor, not just empty talking promises. But we should say no executions have taken place in the state of North Carolina right. since 2006. Do you think you as governor can unilaterally change that? You can lobby that the um, laws need to be stricter and the laws we have on the books be enforced. You know, the governor is the uh, person out there at the front that people identify the state with and uh, I again as a former prosecutor I want to bring crime down folks don't feel safe at home yeah. they don't feel safe at school uh, we need to harden the schools to, to make uh, parents feel like when they drop their children off at schools they're going to be safe they're going to be able to, to go home again um, this is um, we're, we're in a time now where we need to focus on crime and getting our schools and our communities safe again. Um, and that's what I intend to do as governor. You call for recalling the food tax. Explain yes. what will that do? Lower inflation. 
at the grocery store, grocery prices are too high. But inflation is a big problem, not only North Carolina, but across the country and around the world. That's so. true, but as governor, what can you do about it? And the answer is you can uh, lower the taxes on food to lessen the effect. The pandemic, pre-pandemic prices on food, you go, anybody goes into the grocery store, your viewers know this, yeah. 20% higher now than they were pre-pandemic, and they're stuck at that. So, you know, folks have been asking me, Bill, what can you do as governor to do that, remove that tax? Um, part of what you've talked about when you talk about uh, changing taxes, you've said that liberals in Raleigh have let taxes spiral out of control for far too long. But as you know, your party has been in control in Raleigh for more than 10 years now. So who's responsible for it then? All the... The whole um, group up in Raleigh is, uh, you know, responsible for it. I've asked that, um, and I've inter had introduced a bill to get rid of the tax on overtime. Um, and uh, I think folks are working too hard and not getting a tax break. We need to get uh, more money into the pockets of the folks that work for it in the first place. Because, um, you know, we're running into a situation where we have 10,000 baby boomers a week, or sorry, a day, uh, retiring and we don't have a generation to backfill those retirees so we need to give an incentive to the workers and the employers to be able to maintain those workers but give them that if they're working extra uh, yeah. overtime they need to be rewarded for that you got a big endorsement from Senator Tom Tillis um, I did it's hard to get bigger than that in this state uh, but your, your opponent has gotten the endorsement of a lot of the MAGA Republicans a lot of the other Republicans in the state uh, does your endorsement offset that I, folks don't think about endorsements no. when they walk into the voting booth. I want their endorsement. I want the voters' endorsement. I want them to walk in and say, I've got a choice here. I can pick, you know, a conservative future for the state in Bill Graham, or I can do something else and vote for another candidate. Um, I think they're going to vote for me, and I think they're going to vote for that conservative future that I, they all want. One of the other Republicans in, in the race against you is Mark Robinson. He's taking a hard-line stance on abortion, uh, at one point calling for a total ban. More recently, he, he signaled support for heartbeat legislation. Uh, where do you stand on it? Uh, I stand with the current law. Um, I think it's a well-reasoned and compassionate law. The newly passed 12-week from last year. Yes, okay. I am pro-life. Um, I don't want all your viewers to understand that. I'm pro-life. I was uh, and always have been. And I said, if you go back to my first campaign when I asked the question, that was my same answer. But the General Assembly did a great job with the legislation that they passed, and I support it. Okay. Um, Robinson has made a, a number of controversial statements about the Holocaust, about the, the, the gay community, uh, Martin Luther King, the role of women in society. Um, why do you think he has so much pull right now within your party? Because people don't know him. He's not who he says he is. He's not a conservative. No one says that the Holocaust was hogwash and expect to be called a conservative. No one doesn't stand with Israel and expect to be called a conservative. Uh, we have hostages right now, Ben, you and I are talking here, and in the Gaza Strip we have Americans being held hostage. He stands with Hamas. If you add up what he's been saying about uh, his anti-Semitic remarks and about those remarks about women being, um, you know, uh, second-class citizens or sub being subservient to men, he, he defends sexual predators like Cosby and Weinstein. You know, you take all those things together, that's not conservative. He, 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 so folks don't know, really know what he is. And on your station this morning, um, you know, when I walked into the studio, yeah. my ad was running and, yeah. and I'm trying to inform the voter of the contrast that they have at the, at the ballot box. And we should say we've asked Mr. Robinson to come on a variety of times uh, here on Flashpoint. Um, 
If you lose uh, in the primary, do you plan to support him? I'm going to support the nominee. Whoever it is. Whoever it is. Um, do you think he can win in November? No. So you'll support him even if you don't think he can win? In November. Oh, no, he's going to lose. I'm telling you he's going to lose. Then why would you endorse him and support him? <laughs> Given the statements that he's made, yeah. um, the, the opponent on the Democratic side is Josh Stein, and um, those folks know of the statements that he's made and more and some of the things that are not being made public. Uh, so, I mean, he, it, it's, he's under investigation by the Board of Elections uh, for what I have no idea they should unseal the investigation. Maybe you could make I, that happen. I guess I'm surprised then why would you say you would support him if he wins the primary? Well, I don't think he's going to win the primary. Okay. That's why I'm here. And I got into the, you might say, well, you got into the uh, race a little bit late. Well, I did uh, because I thought we'd have a candidate that could win. And I'm sick and tired of losing. And I bet you a lot of your viewers out there are sick and tired of losing, too. We've only had a Republican governor in yeah. this state well, at once out of yeah. the last 32 years. Yeah, not a lot. And uh, I want to change that. Uh, you've spent a lot of your own money. I read $5 million. Do uh, you plan to spend more? Well, we're going to run out of time to spend the money, yeah. and you can only buy just so much television time. Um, maybe you're not Much got... to the chagrin of the, of the, of the station owners, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> Please Absolutely. go ahead. No, uh, you, you know, we're, we're on track to spend what we said we'd spend, and um, I think that's going to be sufficient to take the message to the people. All right. Primary coming up. All right. Uh, Bill Graham, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you. Still coming here on Flashpoint, hundreds taking to the streets this week to try and figure out how big the homeless problem is here in Mecklenburg County. Coming up next, what county leaders learned and the push to find some long-term solutions. Welcome back to Flashpoint this week. Hundreds of volunteers helping to understand Mecklenburg County's homeless population. The point in time count helps the county figure out what resources are needed to help support some of the most vulnerable people in our community. Joining us now, a longtime friend of Flashpoint, Mecklenburg County Commissioner Pat Cotham. Pat, welcome back. Nice to see you in person. Great to see you too. Um, this week, uh, you were out there with the volunteers uh, taking account of, of our homeless population here in Charlotte. And I've said it before on the show and I'll say it again, there's, there's few people who champion this cause uh, like you do as far as our, our local leaders. Um, from what you saw this past week, uh, is the problem getting better or worse? Um, I think it's just changing. I think it's just evolving. Um, and that's one reason why I, I continue to go out with our homeless neighbors and why I participate in the point in time count because you do get to see differences. Like, like uh, when we, we went out on Thursday and um, I saw more women uh, that were uh, homeless on the street. And so that was one thing. And they were younger women. A few years back, I saw more older women. So, you know, you just never know what you're gonna get. And um, there were certainly, um, I saw some severe mental health problems when I was out there. And, uh, but it, it is, it, 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 it is a very important thing, and uh, I'm always glad to participate. We went out for, um, I had to be uptown about f 5 o'clock in the morning, and then we stayed until 7.30 or 8. And, uh, but it, it, it's, I was exhausted, and it got all rained on, yeah. so it was rainy. Um, but it, it, uh, it's a very important part of the work that I do. Just the volume of homeless people, or is it about consistent, or, or do you think we're making some progress? Well, 
We certainly make progress, but there's always more people joining the group. Sure. I mean, I'm very proud of what the county has done and, uh, and how we've partnered with, you know, like Roof Above and other groups. And we have, you know, we've bought some hotels and helped them. And we've also offered, we've used a lot of the money from, um, the, uh, from the federal government, from uh, ARPA funds uh, for, you know, to um, help people with their rents. And you know the big issue now is we have we have money available to supplement people, but it's hard to find landlords that will want to, uh, uh, you know, to use it. Yeah. So people have like a voucher, or, or they have money, and then they can't find a place. You have to have landlords, etc., willing to accept. <clears throat> you you had a, a county commission retreat this week. Going forward, what are you thinking? Some of the things that county leaders can do to address the problem. Well, I, I've always, I guess it's my journalism background, but I always want, I treat everything as a story. And I think you need to really go deep into the story. And um, I, I, it's, there's no easy answer. The, the deeper I get into homelessness, the more complex I realize it is and how it also changes all the time. So um, I, I would want, you know, our, our, uh, my colleagues and staff people to get more involved with it but you know there's a we have a lot of needs in the county we have a lot of priorities and the individual commissioners have you know they have their own passions as sure. well you know I'm, I've always been involved heavily in mental health and this and um, uh, and of course I'm also involved with evictions I've gotten deeper with evictions since I've been involved with homelessness and affordability of houses so but you know we all have our own things but then you know we come together and we all share our different uh, thoughts and uh, ideas so we're not like a unified group sure you're not a monolith right. do you think like there's there's a missing link there's something that the, the county or city could be doing right now that they're not when it comes to tackling homelessness <clears throat> well there's probably how much time do we have right. <laughs> there's probably a, a lot of things um, certainly we need um, we keep talking about uh, the need for affordable homes, but we never talk about which ones. And we keep seeing things of, you know, the people that are making 60 to 80% of the average medium income. And the biggest glut is at the 30% of average medium income. And so, and, to, but you know, we, there are developers that, you know, want to help, but they, we need to help them make the numbers work. Sure. And um, whether it's with taxes or land or something, so um, you know. I, and I, but we we just focus on the broad topic of you know housing, but we don't. There's some areas we have too much. I think of the 80 percent average medium income, whereas we we don't have enough of the 30 percent. So, but it, it's definitely a problem, and I don't see that it's getting much better. Yeah. Uh, a multifactorial problem that has um, a lot of different ways people can can address it, but also a lot of things that are not being addressed um, by the local uh, by local levels and and, and otherwise. Um, Pat Cotham, like I say, you've been a champion of this cause for a long, long time. And I will uh, continue to be. Not just recently. Uh, thanks for coming on again. We appreciate talking to you as oh, always. Thank you very much. All right. Next on Flashpoint, WCNC Charlotte, where's the money investigation? Police departments making millions off of a tax loophole involving folks caught with drugs.
Welcome back to Flashpoint. Police departments across North Carolina are quietly making money off of people's mistakes, relying on a little known tax that pays off for them and punishes people found with drugs even when there's no criminal conviction. WCNC Charlotte's Nate Morvito is asking, where's the money as departments make millions every single year? Just weeks shy of his 50th birthday, Antonio Mosley is moving forward. I'm blessed. But as hard as the small business owner works to put his past in the rear view, I say you're trying to save your money up. He just can't shed the heavy load he's hauling. You gotta realize just 1993. All tied to some wrong turns. They found some cocaine. He made as a teenager. Yes, I own that. Damn time for it. Following guilty pleas for drug crimes and an assault with a deadly weapon charge, Mosley went to the penitentiary. Over the next two decades, he'd spend 17 years in all behind bars. Losing your loved ones, your kids growing up without you, that's the hardest. Yet today, he's still serving a civil sentence. Now you've been punished twice. The North Carolina Department of Revenue taxed him for the drugs police found on him all those years ago, charging $18,000 in taxes, penalties, and interest. And he still owes most of that money today. I don't think it's fair. The little-known North Carolina law that allows this went into effect in the late 1980s during the war on drugs, requiring people who possess drugs to pay taxes through the purchase of special tax stamps. The state isn't allowed to alert police if someone buys stamps, but as you'd imagine, hardly anyone does. So North Carolina levies taxes on the back end. Public records show the state's collected more than $100 million in unauthorized substance taxes since 20. Some of that goes to the state's general fund, but the police departments that found the drugs get to keep most of the money and then use it how they see fit. It does benefit our programs for drug enforcement and all other areas of law enforcement as well. This is a huge burden. Kenny Robinson doesn't see any benefit. This is very, very common. Uh, specifically uh, in black neighborhoods that were over-policed. Not only does he run Freedom Fighting Missionaries, an organization that helps house and support the formerly incarcerated. I was pulled over and had uh, marijuana and some cocaine on me, and I was charged for it. Eventually it was dismissed. He's also paid the price himself. It was about $200 worth of drugs that ended up being about $1,700 worth of taxes that they levied out of my income from my employer. Robinson says the state blindsided him with the tax 15 years later, garnishing his wages after his release from prison on an unrelated case. It's just another one of the things that we have to go through trying to better yourself. That's part of the reason why the North Carolina Justice Center wants the state to follow the lead of others and abolish the tax altogether. The organization, which advocates for economic and social justice, believes North Carolina should also forgive all drug tax debt. When you come home, if you had kids before, you got back child support, you, now you got drug taxes, it can be kind of hard on a person coming back trying to be entering society. That's me. In the years since he walked out of prison, Antonio Mosley's overcome a lot. Believe it or not, I wanted to be a dentist. The boy with big dreams has grown into a man who's grateful to be alive. I wake up every morning thanking God. With the help of his family, he's gone from sleeping in a car homeless to sitting in the cab of a truck 
running his own business. They found a Brooklyn suitcase in, in prison. Trying to make the most of his second chance. Then it comes back to haunt you. He says the government's garnished some of his wages. But as it stands, the mistakes Mosley made when he had hardly any miles on his tires continue costing him. Everybody's had a little empathy. A roadblock keeping him from moving on down the road. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. More Flashpoint after this. Folks, come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, or X, Facebook. We're there. If there's something you want us to cover on Flashpoint, let us know. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.